season's going to end on a double doink, 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 doink. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. That's what you want to know? It's the T.C. Martin Show. Yeah, I don't know. That's idea. Diagnosis. I had an idea. And then, uh... Prognosis. Yeah, I take the serious. Osmosis. Why, it's funny? It wasn't, it wasn't funny. I wasn't laughing about it. Yeah. It's not funny. It's not funny. Nothing's funny. Don't you ever talk about me. Yeah, I don't know. That's idea. That's the result you're going to get. It's the doctor, T.C. Martin. Don't go out there and laugh. The doctor is now in. Hour number two on this Tuesday afternoon. Glad to have you with us. Uh, Hour number one jam-packed. Tracy Murray in the house here today. And then Stu Jackson, the new commissioner of the WCC, coming over from the Big East and all of his experience as a college coach and, of course, being executive director of the NBA of Basketball Operations. Those interviews up on the website a little bit later on. Make sure you check all of that out at tcmartinshow.com. Along with all of the past interviews, current interviews up there, our Final Four preview up on the website. Make sure you check all of that out wherever you get your podcast. Funnel it all through tcmartinshow.com. Yes, tomorrow, another jam-packed show coming your way. How about this lineup tomorrow, huh? Tim Brando, Timmy B, our very good friend, formerly of CBS, does a fantastic job on Fox Sports, uh, calling college basketball and uh, college football. Of course, Timmy B will be joining us. He's headed to Houston as well. Mike DeCourcy, the fine writer, award-winning writer from the Sporting News who covers college basketball. He will join us tomorrow. And then we get ready for Major League Baseball opening day on Thursday. Bob Nightingale will join us from USA Today. Talk about the new rules, what to expect. That'll be great. Chuck Esposito over at Red Rock will join us tomorrow. Thursday, Olden Polonese, OPP, he'll join us. Scott Spritzer, Jay Cornegay. And the list goes on and on. Remember, Friday, I will be uh, traveling to Houston for the Final Four. So Scott Sprites or Marco D'Angelo will be holding down the fort at our studio there inside the Sportsbook, the Superbook at the Westgate Las Vegas. So make sure you tune in on Friday. And uh, depending if my travel plans do go awry, I will be joining on Friday as well, too. Ooh, What's the odds of that? That... My travel plans do not go awry. I'm not going to say that. I'm thinking that food's going to get in the way first. <laughs> You're going to get the use. I'll and be hungry and starving. I and will just- be. Yeah. No. No. Because if I if I do the show, the interview, it'd probably be in the back of a a, a lift or. Oh, maybe you'll yeah, get the same guy like that. again. That would be something, wouldn't it? That would be yeah, amazing. What would be the odds of that? Yeah, my. My driver, who is uh, Ariel? No, what was his yeah? Name? His name was Ariel. Ariel. Very good, right, right? I was like, wait, from I, Cuba, yeah, from Cuba. And when I and I was in trouble, I was trying to get to the World Series game number one after my long, long delay and having to sit on a runway and with Corpus Christi, and then I dropped the name Yuli Guriel, and next thing you know, Yuli, Yuli, this guy, this guy's going seventy miles an hour <laughs> down surface streets. Oh, I love it. I get you there. And he did. Yeah. So, yeah, looking forward to Houston. So we'll be doing the show Monday from Houston. Looking forward to that. Um, TJ Reeves will be with me. Don't are, know how. Are I'm, you I'm really? Ready for, I don't know if I'm going to re- be ready for that or not. <sighs> Maybe for a segment or two. Pete Gillen will be joining me. That'll be fun. The coach. Yeah. So uh, that'll be on Monday as we get ready for the championship game. 
And uh, then Tuesday, I'll be traveling back. Brian Feldman's going to be in on Tuesday. I appreciate him. So, um, yes, great stuff. Uh, so keep on, keep it on, keep on listening here. All right. So this hour, Brian Selman's going to join us. Uh, like myself, he was there at both the West Regional Final at T-Mobile Arena and at the fight Saturday night for David Benavidez' victory over Caleb Plant. Great stuff. We'll talk to him about that. And then also a look ahead to the Final Four and a whole lot more. But as we know, it is Tuesday. It's Terrible Tuesday. That's terrible. Things gone wrong in the sporting world. That's a terrible idea. I want to know what the hell he's smoking. Something stinks in here. That's terrible. <laughs> it's Terrible Tuesday. Things gone wrong in the sporting world. Well, we've been talking a lot of NCAA tournament, as we know. It's uh, it was a great it's a great time of year. Can hardly wait for the final four. And being here at the West Regional Final, two of the three games we saw were blowouts. A lot of people were disappointed in that. But South Regional Final, Creighton and San Diego State tied. The final possession is in the hands of the Aztecs with a trip to the final four at stake. San Diego State looking for the win. Butler, get it in. A rope, hands it to Trammell. Three seconds, two seconds. Trammell drives. He's fouled. Darion Trammell will go to the free throw line. It's all about getting the turn towards the basket. Played it perfectly from a timing perspective. Let's see if there's a hit. Left arm is down low. He didn't hit him with the right arm. The left arm might be on the hip. Let's take a level look. See that left hand on the hip? I'm a big believer, Ian, in that if the offensive guy makes a play at the end of the game and he's fouled, you have to call it. Now, some people are saying this may not be much of a foul. But does it affect the offensive guy's motion to the basket and getting a shot off? And you're pushed a little bit. It throws your timing off. All right. That's uh, CBS, uh, the television call with that. Uh, yes, a referee decided the outcome of the game. Say what you want. Say it was a foul, not a foul. But the bottom line is a referee. And I said a referee. A referee. One referee decided the outcome of this game. And it decided the fate of two teams. It decided the end of careers for players on Creighton. And the money that was directed in favor of the winner, San Diego State, for advancing to the Final Four, that can't be dismissed. No one's talking about that. And on the flip side, the money that was taken away from Creighton University for being eliminated. We talk a lot on the show, especially with Matt Holt, from U.S. Integrity, how these units that every school gets for advancing on to the next round, and the in the units get larger and larger amounts of money the further you go on. A birth of the Final Four is millions of dollars for that program and for that conference. And yes, a referee decided. A great game. We saw both teams play great defense. Very physical game. Both playing hard. Diving for loose balls on the floor. 
knowing that their season and their futures were on the line. And that's the beauty part of college basketball. But the terrible side is, is when it has to come to an end for these teams, especially when you're going to the Final Four. That's everyone's goal, to go to the Final Four. If you lose in the Final Four, okay, you don't get a shot at a national championship game, but at least you got to the Final Four. You get a week's worth of hype. You get travel. You get to be wine and dine. You get all of that media coverage. You love that. There's nothing worse if you talk to a player or a coach that has lost an Elite Eight game. They will tell you it is worse than going out in the first or the second round because of what I said. You don't get a chance to extend your season. The reality comes crashing down, and you go, don't get at least a chance to go to the Final Four. But this game, so much was on the line, and the end result by the official blowing their whistle here, it, the ending was anticlimactic. There was no real celebration for San Diego State. It was subdued. And Creighton on the other side, they were disgusted. Because when you look at San Diego State, they were like, well, we know this is going to be controversial. It was 57-56 was the final score, and it came down to a judgment call. Yes, no last-second buzzer beater, no five minutes of overtime to really truly decide the outcome. Instead, it was a referee. And why do I keep saying it's a referee? I'll tell you why. Because there are three referees on the court, all right? One referee decided to call a foul, with one second to go. And if you listen to the to that, what we played, or you watched the game on Sunday, you saw that the clock hit zeros. No one knew. There was this hesitation. It was a late whistle. And they had to go back, did the whistle, get off before the clock hit zeros. They went back to replay, and they looked. Well, here's the problem. Foul or not a foul? See, that's where the problem is, okay? It's not clear. So... When you watch the replay and you say, okay, there's a hand on the hip, well, that's an obvious foul. But if you look at it in real time, you can't decide. You don't know. The only reason people are saying that today and said it on Monday and said it later on because they saw replay after replay after replay of this. But let's talk about the situation and the call and the consistency or lack thereof, because that's really where the problem lies. One referee blew a whistle. Two did not. The one that blew the whistle was behind the play. The one in front on the baseline who saw the play coming, because remember, Tramel was driving from the right wing into the middle of the paint at the free throw line when the whistle was called. So, the official on the baseline did not blow the whistle. The official on the opposite side of the court where the play is coming towards him did not blow the whistle either. In a game that was so physical that to have refs decide it and let this game basically play out in a physical fashion for 39 minutes and 59 seconds, that's hard to swallow. Doesn't matter if you had Creighton, you didn't have Creighton, you're a Blue Jay fan, or you're not a Blue Jay fan. If you're an Aztec fan, or you bet San Diego State, that's not what comes into play here. What comes into play is a futile whistle that did not need to be blown was 
There were seven total team fouls that were called in the first half. Seven total team fouls. Neither team was even in the bonus. In the game, 22 fouls were called for the entire game. That isn't many at all. Any player, coach, or fan wants one thing. They want consistency. And this game did not have the consistency from the officials. That's it. If this was truly a foul, then all three refs would have called it a foul. They would all would have blown their whistle. We wouldn't be debating it right now. Tremell did not have his shooting hand hit. He was not bumped. He was not shoved. His shot was not altered. Those constitute a foul. If it was, all three officials would be blowing their whistle. And that didn't happen. And that was not the case. If you want to nitpick and you want to go to replay and say, well, he had his hand on his hip. Okay. What happened to the call where Nimhart, the Creighton guard, is bringing the ball up the court and he gets tomahawk chop, injures his hand so bad that he has to leave the game for five minutes, has to go get treatment back in the locker room, no foul. There were other calls in this game. No calls. But you make this pivotal call, a game-changing call, a future call for a team going to the Final Four and one team to be eliminated. That's it. Not crying over spilled milk. Just saying that this is controversial. Don't act like it's not. It is. And when only one official blows his whistle and the other two don't, you got a problem. When the minority of the group calls a foul that by the naked eye, as it happened, did not look to be a foul, there is a problem, and a game like this should not be decided the way it was. All right, let's go to the NFL. We got quarterback drama, as we well know, right? Well, you got quarterback drama with the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers. They're at odds. But now the big talk also is Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. They're at an impasse. That's where they are. They're at an impasse. Let's go back to Green Bay. All right, the Packers and Rodgers. Green Bay owns the rights to Rodgers. We've talked about it hundreds of times. All right? They know that he gives them the best chance to win. Of course, the Packers want to keep Aaron Rodgers. However, they don't like his attitude. They don't like his selfishness. Can't blame him. Part of them wants him to go away. But they know they have a little they have a little chance of winning and going to the playoffs and winning a Super Bowl without Aaron Rodgers. Jordan Love is not the answer. They'll say all the thing, the right things at 1265 Lombardi Avenue inside that building that, well, we're ready for Jordan Love, but you're not ready for Jordan Love. You have no idea what you're getting with Jordan Love. All right? The Jets want him. The Jets need a quarterback. The Jets are desperate. But the Jets just can't have Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron Rodgers just can't say, I want to go to the Jets. I'm playing for the Jets. No. Why? Because Green Bay needs to trade Aaron Rodgers to the Jets or anyone. Green Bay holds all the cards. They need to agree on the right situation. The Packers and the Jets. And Green Bay's not going to do it if it doesn't make sense for them. And do you blame them? No. You're going to give away a future Hall of Famer, the guy that gives you the best chance to win. You're not going to give him away. Now, the Jets, fans of the Jets would like them to go after Lamar Jackson. Well, 
Joe Douglas, the general manager of the Jets, says, you know what? We feel that that's kind of a conflict of interest, and that's negotiating in bad faith. Wow, to hear a general manager actually say those things, that's pretty cool. It really is. But they want Aaron Rodgers. They really don't want Lamar Jackson. Now, speaking of Lamar Jackson, do the Ravens really want Lamar Jackson? Because their situation is a little bit different. Okay, with Lamar Jackson, he's a restricted free agent, all right? Meaning that he can negotiate with any team he wants. Now, when I say he negotiates, I actually mean that because he doesn't have an agent, but that's another problem. That's a big problem, but we'll table that for a minute. To talk about his situation, Lamar Jackson sends out tweets the other day that says Baltimore does not value him. They do not feel that his worth. And he asked the Baltimore Ravens to trade him. This happened the same time that John Harbaugh, the head coach of the Ravens, is at the owner's meetings in Phoenix saying, we love Lamar Jackson. We want Lamar. We're planning on Lamar. And all of a sudden, the story broke the exact same time. He's meeting with the media minutes after the tweet was sent by Lamar Jackson. Ooh, the timing of that all. I think Lamar knew what he was doing. Yeah. Basically saying that they don't value me. I don't want to play for them. He wants to play for somebody else. But see, that's the difference. All right? Lamar Jackson can go get himself a new deal. And it's up to the Ravens if they want to match the deal. Plain and simple. But here's where Lamar Jackson's going wrong. He's quoting other contracts. All right? He's seeing what Deshaun Watson got from the Cleveland Browns. All right? We, we all know that Deshaun Watson should not be getting that kind of money from the Cleveland Browns. But then he's also pointing to Josh Allen. Now, Josh Allen got himself, what, $256,256 million extension. He got an extension in 2021. Lamar Jackson wants more than that. Because he's saying, Josh Allen came out the same time I did. Well, here's the difference between Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. Josh Allen wins playoff games. Josh Allen completes touchdown passes. Josh Allen throws fewer interceptions. Josh Allen stays healthy. None of those things Lamar Jackson does. Lamar Jackson has won one playoff game. He's won one. And he wants $300 plus million for a contract? You know what Lamar Jackson also doesn't do? Doesn't stay on the field healthy. He missed 11 games the last two seasons. 11 games you're not on the field. You're quarterback. And that has hindered the Baltimore Ravens in the postseason. Remember, until he won that one playoff game, the joke was Lamar Jackson hadn't won a playoff game. If you're the Baltimore Ravens, you're not going to want to pay that money. And they shouldn't be shy about saying it. No, we don't want to pay you that money. And you want to sit there and demand, you should let him go. Sure, you might not have anybody as good as Lamar Jackson, but do you want Lamar Jackson throwing in a double coverage? Do you want the decision-making that you get with Lamar Jackson? We see that's the reason why Baltimore hasn't gone deep in the playoffs because of Lamar Jackson's decision-making process, and he can't stay healthy. He's not a good quarterback as Patrick Mahomes. You're not going to get that kind of money. You're not a good, not as good as a quarterback as Aaron Rodgers. He's not as good a quarterback is Josh Allen. Heck, you know what? He's probably not as good a quarterback as Jimmy Garoppolo. And before you say what? Well, 
Who's won more playoff games? Jimmy G or Lamar Jackson? It's no contest. That's what it's all about, isn't it? That's what it's all about. Being a leader, being a leader of men, making smart decisions, staying healthy, not taking these ridiculous risks, but the bottom line, playing big and leading your team to wins in the postseason. Lamar Jackson's done it once. That's it. And has a whole heck of a lot more losses than those wins. So, yeah, I don't blame Baltimore for dragging their feet. If you want to sign Lamar Jackson, do it at your terms. Not his, not based on what Deshaun Watson got in his ridiculous contract. That's on the Cleveland Browns for paying him that. All right? And if you want to think that you're better than Josh Allen, think again. But this drama with Aaron Rodgers and this drama with Lamar Jackson, it's crazy that we hear media talking about it every day. Hours and hours and hours when there's nothing you can do about it. So just sit back, watch it unfold, and then comment after it's done. All right. (sighs) Spring training is finally over, even though we still got these meaningless games. Last night, I'm looking at the TV, and I'm seeing the Dodgers and the Angels playing, and they're playing in Anaheim. And I get that, okay? A's, Giants, they want to play at home, this and that. All right, Astros had the day off. They're getting ready for their season opener coming up on Thursday, and they're going to play their minor league team here in in a couple games, okay? You just get done with spring training. You get done and you travel from Florida or you're traveling from Arizona to start your season, right? Why do you need these games right now? You don't need to play every day. These Major League Baseball teams literally play every day until their opening day. It's insane, how many games do you need to play baseball? And your starters aren't playing. Don't I want to hear this? So they got to get ready. We saw what happened already with Jose Altuve getting hurt. Other players getting hurt in the WBC and the World Baseball Classic. Players are going to be out for months at a time now. Rest. Why can't baseball teams, when they break spring training, say, that's it. We're going to have some practices in our home park. We're going to rest up. We're going to let you move into your place, all right? Get acclimated and everything, and get ready for a 162-game season. It's a lot of baseball. It's a long season, man. They don't need to be playing these meaningless exhibition games in front of the same fans that they're going to be playing for next week. I mean, it's insane. Well, all that being said, we got umpires that are taking this spring training way too seriously. Phillies. Are, are playing the other day, right? All right. And JT Rilamuto is the catcher. Craig Kimbrell is on the mound, the Phillies reliever. Well, apparently Kimbrell uh, had a, uh, this pains me to say this, because we're going to be saying this a lot, a pitch clock violation. Didn't deliver the pitch in time, right? All right. So, automatic ball. So, umpire throws out a ball to... Kimbrel, Kimbrel does not like the ball, so he throws it back. JT Realmuto now puts his glove out, as catchers do. Picture it. Catcher looking at the pitcher, takes his glove, left hand, puts it behind him, and waits for the umpire to put the ball in his glove. Now, yes, sometimes umpires throw the ball themselves directly to the pitcher. Other times, they give it to the catcher and let them do the work. All right? So, JT 
Remember that he just threw the pitch, the uh, the last ball to the pitcher directly, so he takes his glove away. Meanwhile, the umpire, all right, who in this game was Randy Rosenberg, decides to put the ball in JT Realmuto's glove. Well, JT moves the glove, ball goes on the ground. JT looks back, umpire says, playing games with me, you're out of here! Ejected! Now why? I have no idea. (laughs) A simple miscommunication? Why would an umpire throw out a catcher, a starting catcher, in a spring training game when you know that none of that is necessary? Because his feelings are hurt? I don't get it. I don't play. I don't understand. Don't understand why the umpire would throw a catcher out. This becomes now a brouhaha. Real Muto is upset. And then now you have the manager, Rob Thompson, comes out and saying, what the heck are you doing? Don't you want to go home early? Trying to extend this game? Go get something to eat? We want to go home. We want to get back to Philadelphia. We got to get ready for opening day. But umpires just getting way too serious. A ball. So that's on Kimbrell. I don't think Craig Kimbrell was thrilled about that call. Did not look amused, did he? Kimbrough says, I don't like that call. Now, here's the action right here. And the umpire felt like Remilter took his glove out of the way. And I, I think Remilter didn't sense that the ball was on its way, so he just figured the umpire was throwing it back to the mound. All right, uh, there's my guy, Buck Martinez, and the Toronto Blue Jays uh, radio network in the game against the Phillies and the Blue Jays. Can we just be done? Be done with spring, spring training, please. A ball, so that's on Kim. <laughs> Edit. XFL. Let me leave you with the XFL. All right. The Houston Roughnecks, all right, are playing the DC Defenders. Did I get that right? The Roughnecks and Defenders. You did. Oh, wow. Who would have known, right? First. All right. Well, Monday Night Football. We actually have a thing Monday Night Football, the XFL. This is the XFL. All right. So during this game, a Gene Harris for the Roughnecks wasn't in too good a mood here. This team's getting blown out 23 to 8, all right, to the DC Defenders. And then we get this call from the referee Unsportsmanlike conduct. Defense, number three. He squirted the down judge with a water bottle. The penalty will be enforced. Happiness is the goal. Automatic first down. This is number three's first unsportsmanlike conduct foul as it relates to his potential disqualification. What is Jane Harris thinking? Some viral moments like that, Luke's in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, just silly, stupid hey, man, penalties. Why you push me like that? Yeah. Oh, a flag, bro. That was on the sideline. Was injected water on him. He poured it water purposefully onto an official. I, 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 don't, I don't know how we should. Handle. I know that's not the type of environment. We know it's only walk either way. Nice, why don't you get a chance? 14 and a half to the four and a half. He never had water He just came off the field. He just huh? came off the field. He pushed me like, get off the way. I'm like, I just got subbed. Like, here we go. Here we go. 
That is the XFL. Third quarter, 23-8. Houston's getting drilled. 5.06 to go in the third quarter. And he squirts a water bottle on the down judge. Hmm. Interesting. But why are we talking about this? Because this is the XFL. You know, shouldn't we be talking about the XFL like who's the leading team in the league? Who are the great quarterbacks? How about how many touchdown passes did this quarterback throw? No, you know what we're talking about? We're talking about a player in off-the-field behavior squirting a water bottle at an official. Why? Because it's the XFL. Because the product is garbage. It's terrible. Nobody can tell you who's leading the league. Nobody can tell you the starting quarterback probably of each team. But this is what we talk about. The only time we ever talk about the XFL is when something like this, this nonsense, is happening because that's the highlight. Can we name three players from each team? No. Nobody can. Can you name one? Nobody. Nobody can. Can you name one player? Why? Why? No. That's that's the point of the matter. Exactly. You know? You barely can name a couple of head coaches. But this is what's taking up their media time is nonsense like this. That's what cracks me up. All right. Did you hear about Bradley Beal? Right? Bradley Beal. I did. Okay. So let me leave you with this one. Bradley Beal, the player for the Washington Wizards, playing the Orlando Magic last week. The game was in Orlando, and the Magic defeat the Wizards 122 to 112. So Bradley Beal is on his way to the locker room at the end of the game, and then a fan says something to him while he is going into the tunnel. And the fan says, uh, uh, here's my quote, the fan says, Beal, you cost me 1300 bucks, you effer. <laughs> so Beal says, okay, I got to address this. So Beal turns around and looks at the guy, starts going towards the friend of the guy that said it, and takes his hand and kind of takes a little swipe and hits his hat. And the hat goes off. Now there's a report out there that these guys want to file charges because they said, well, Bradley Beal's hand grazed the guy's face. There is an official report. Now. Yeah. Yes, I know. There's a police report out there. All yep. right. Even though no charges have been made. Now, Bradley Beal was also heard saying, listen, he goes, I take, this is my job and I take it seriously. Then after the police came in and intervened, they did hear this conversation. And in the report says that the guy apologized to Bradley Beal. Okay. So therefore nothing happened. Okay. But this is a story and some guy is trying to file a police report and what he's trying to get money out of an NBA player. All right. You yelled at the guy. All right. You said you cost me $1,300. Okay. Bradley Beal, you flick the hat. No big deal. Let's quit making a, a bigger deal of these things and guys that are just trying to get into the pockets of players. But here's the real terrible thing. And here's the biggest question that I have here. Why is this Ham and Ager betting on the Wizards? Why are you betting on the Wizards as a point and a half underdog when this team at this point in time lost six of the seven games before this game? Currently, they've lost 
10 of their last 11 games. The Wizards stink. All right? They stink. You're going to bet 1300 bucks on the Washington Wizards on the road? As they said in one of my all-time favorite movies, Digstown, as Robbie said to Daddy, you deserve to lose. That's right. You're going to bet 1300 bucks on the Wizards. You deserve to lose. Oh, by the way, what Bradley do? Bradley Beal doing that game, by the way? Let's look at the box score. Bradley Beal, he scored 16 points, but he was 4 for 15 from the field. <laughs> okay. I see why he picked out Bradley Beal. Didn't have a very good game. But don't bet on the Wizards. Don't bet $1,300 on the Wizards. That's a terrible thing. That's what you should be screaming about. What is the Wizards' current standings? Stink. 32 and 40. There you go. Stink. (laughs) When we come back, Brian Salmon will join us. We'll talk all things Sports Vegas. Now, more of your favorite personal sports physician. Don't make me big. T.C. Martin. Of course, you are a character. Doesn't mean that you have character. The doctor is now in. Ah, yes, the beat goes on. Don't forget Friday at the Westgate, Scott Spritzer. Marco D'Angelo in for me, making the way to Houston. And a jam-packed show coming your way again tomorrow as well as Thursday. They'll be doing the show live from Houston, the Final Four on Monday. Travel day Tuesday, back Wednesday. There's the schedule. Got to save the voice, right? Is there a chance you're going to be gone Thursday or Tuesday too? Or Wednesday? No, I'll be back Wednesday. Why? You sure? Why? Like, I'm thinking like fatigue. No. You might need a rest day. No, that's, I'm good, man. Okay. Got to come back. Now, if the Astros are still at home, it might stay longer. But. <laughs> oh, yes. Great time of year. Uh, Final Four. And, of course, a great weekend last weekend here in Las Vegas. We saw the Elite Eight, Sweet 16. And we saw ourselves a great fight on Saturday night as well. David Benavides defeating uh, Kayla Plant at the MGM Grand Garden Arena. And a guy who was doing the double duty just like I was going back last Saturday night. My good friend, Brian Salmon, the uh, fantastic sports director at News 3. There it is, B-Sal. Back and forth and forth and back. As Cameo once said, I know you're probably too young to remember that Cameo song, Back and Forth. <laughs> what's going on, man? <laughs> Yo, what's going on, TC, man? You don't understand. I'm sneaky old, man. Just You and I are both. So, yeah, no, I remember things. Yeah. I remember things. I know you do. <laughs> I know you do. Oh, my God. Hey. Yo, man, you just reminded me. Oh, really quick. Did you? How long did it take you to get from T-Mobile to uh, the MGM driving? It wasn't bad. I, I say I got there like in less than 10 minutes, 10, 12 minutes. Oh, wow. Yeah, That's because we, le- we left at the same time. You know? Yeah. And uh, so literally, I'm trying to remember which way that I went after I made my illegal turn. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I didn't make my illegal turn that night because uh, I went right. And yeah, no, I, I made really good time. And I got there. Okay. I Actually, I think I got there before you did. Because I saw you um, walk into the MGM Grand because you were like you were you were a, a row or two below me. Well, yeah. the reason that you saw me walk in so late is because I uh, what did I do? I I got stopped somewhere, you know, and, and my ear got burned off for a little bit. So 
Oh, really? Who was she? <laughs> uh, yeah, it wasn't. A, yeah, it was one of the guys. You know me, man. I'm always talking to all the anyone who, anyone who works at either T-Mobile or Allegiant. All my people, man. So I ran into one of the ushers who used to work at Allegiant Stadium, but now he he stopped working there halfway through the season. I hadn't seen him for a little bit, so. Yeah, I burned his ear off. He burned my ear off, too. I was going to say, because we were outside at the same time. So you were already outside. So, I mean, you had the escape plan already done. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, you, you, you didn't need to stop, you know? <laughs> no, no, it was all good, man. When I saw you, I was like, I already knew what I was doing. I already picked up my credential. My car was already parked over at MGM. I parked there and then walked over. So I was... I was golden. Like the walk over there, I got over there super quick. You walk? Okay, I could have given you a ride. I didn't know you were walking, man. I could have given you a ride. But oh no, nah, well, <laughs> I appreciate it. I thought about that afterwards, but then I was thinking, man, I'm going to get over there way faster than he's going to get there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Well, you know, one, yeah. one of us decided to talk, uh, get our ears talked off, and the other said, no, we're in the. <laughs> But you and I both did the exact same thing. We bolted that game at about the 10 minute mark because we said, This thing is ridiculous. Oh, what a blow up by UConn. And I love UConn, but neither one of us were expecting that kind of blowout. No, man. I'm still shocked at the fact that the, the fashion that they beat both the teams that they beat. Yep. You know what I mean? Every game, all these games are close. General in the NCAA tournament for the the UConn, the snot out of everybody. So they look good. It, it definitely is a UConn Invitational right now. That's what it is. <laughs> Absolutely, definitely for the men. Yeah. Yes, this is true. All right, my friend. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the fight. Uh, very entertaining wow. fight. Great fight. And we saw David Benavidez overcome a slow start, but man, did he just put it together and whip on Caleb Plant from rounds five through 12, man. That was destruction at its finest. And just as the fight continued to go on, as the, the later rounds, you know, approached, I mean, he just he had more gas in the tank. He stung him with the punches. I mean, that's what I saw, B Sal. What'd you see? And I, I literally was just texting someone about that. One of my guys, Armando, you, you, you know him if you see him over at the fight. And uh, I, I said to myself, one, it was exactly the same fight, Plant against Canelo, where Plant looked good for the first five, six rounds, and then it was a wrap after that. And I think that Plant either needs to try to learn how to generate some power or he needs to have better legs where he can absolutely stay away from somebody for the entire 12 rounds. You know what I mean? Like, for instance, the way that Mayweather stayed away from Canelo for 12 rounds and didn't have to worry about the power and getting beat up and everything else, Plant can only stay away for the first six rounds. And after that, that holding tactic that he used just didn't work, man. He needed more sticking and moving. And, you know, to keep Benavidez off of him, or some kind of sting to keep Benavidez off of him, which he didn't have because he was just getting walked down the entire fight. No, six round on. You're, you're right. And he really fought a smart fight for him in that first half of the fight because that's the only way that he was going to hang. And, and you saw that Benavidez was flustered by that tactic about, okay, you know, get in and out. And, you know, you mentioned Floyd Mayweather, and we talked about this last week, that, you know, he's got that – 
that Floyd Mayweather's shoulder roll, that he likes to, to, to do that, but he's not quite as crafty as Mayweather. But when you're fighting at 168 pounds like that, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, Caleb Planet is probably the guy that has the least amount of punching power and knockout power of anybody at that division. You can kind of get away with that if you're fighting at 135 and 140. But man, you know, at 168, you got to exchange, you got to hurt people. And that's what I said before the fight is that he could be as crafty as he wants. But the bottom line is if he starts tasting the leather from Benavidez, then he's going to be in trouble. And Benavidez turned it around because there was for a while there, he didn't know if Benavidez was going to turn it around because he started so very slow. But man, give ben, hey, I, I give Benavides watch. all the credit in the world because he stuck with it. Didn't look like he was at his best early on, but then he just he controlled the fight from like I said, you know, from five or yeah. six on. Uh, you're you're right, man. I mean, Plant needs. This is the one thing that I think that uh, you always end up talking about Mayweather and comparing guys to Mayweather because just people don't realize just how good he is. So, but the one thing that Floyd had that people just didn't understand. To why he could fight the way he fought is the shoulder roll. Yes, all that good stuff, but he had enough sting on his punches that nobody just ran in on him, except for Marcos Maidana. He's the only one that just didn't care. But everyone else, they realized, like, man, Florida's got a, he doesn't have power. Mm. You know, he's very sharp, and you have to be leery about what's coming back. Plant does not instill that type of caution in fighters when he fights them. Like, they just don't, they don't respect his power enough to care about walking him down relentlessly. And that's what Benavidez did. He just walked him down relentlessly. Didn't care what was coming back. Right. Didn't care at all. And, yeah, he dominated that second half of that fight. He was impressive. He's always been impressive, but he showed, uh, he, he really exposed Caleb Plant for not having any power at all. And he showed that he can battle through adversity. You got, got it. I just hope that we get the Benavidez Canelo fight because that oh. that is what everybody needs. And you know, we're talking to your 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 boy, uh, Sammy the Bull, yesterday, and uh, Sam, yeah, Sam Gordon. And uh, again, I, I give you credit for that. You're the one that that coined uh, Sammy the Bull, and I like that. You know, because he's like a bull. There's no question. <laughs> he is. Yeah. He's a little swollen on folks, man. He's a little swollen in tight shirts. I like that. I like that. <laughs> But he made the argument, B. Sal, that this fight should be at Allegiant Stadium. And we've never seen a fight at Allegiant Stadium because, you know, we just, you know, the, the, who has the drawing power? Now, I know Bob Aaron was talking about Tyson Fury, you know, fighting either Fury Wilder there or Fury and Joshua there. Maybe that would happen. But I don't know. Uh, clearly that fight would sell out. T-Mobile Arena in a heartbeat, but that is the fight we need, and hopefully we get it sooner than later because it was really good to have that that electric atmosphere back in Vegas again for a big-time fight because, let's be honest, we haven't had it really since the pandemic. I mean, we really haven't had it, and now you know we'll get it again with Garcia and Javante Davis coming up April the 22nd. You know, Lomachenko's coming back. That's going to be nice, but we need that September man. fight, man. That would be great, and, and in my opinion... A Canelo Benavides fight right now, within the next you know six months to a year, uh, that would be one of the biggest draws uh, that we'd see in modern day boxing. Yeah, well, if I think honestly, I 
I only think that fight would be a huge draw if they did it on Cinco de Mayo. Because you and I, it's, it's hard for us to talk about it because we love boxing, right? Like, we love boxing. We know how big of a name Canelo is. But I think a lot of times, I talk with Jesse about this all the time. I think a lot of times we see popularity through our lens more so than like the average person's lens. Cause I don't think most, most regular people know who Benavidez is. Well, that's correct. Honestly. That no, that's very correct. You know what I mean, yeah. Yeah. Although he did draw for this last fight, somehow him and plant drew for this last fight. So maybe Benavidez is more popular than I thought, but I think, but, but if Benavidez fights Canelo, the amount of Latinos that will be here and fight fans, I think it'd be good. I don't know necessarily if it would do well in Allegiant Stadium personally, but um, so that fight would definitely be a huge, huge fight. Like, honestly, I think that the, um, the Tank Davis-Ryan Garcia fight will draw more eyes than, than, uh, than a Canelo Benavidez fight, honestly. Really? Now, but, but B-Sal, you get a Canelo against anybody. You know, look what Canelo did against a, a Ham and Ager at, at Jerry's World it, 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 there in stadiums. And now what he's going to draw in Cinco de Mayo in, in Mexico? I mean, that is, it's another stadium crowd that's going to have 60, 70, 80,000. So I, I'm, and I questioned Sam yesterday too. I said, I don't know if it can draw that much at Allegiant Stadium, but I mean, it's still going to be a great fight because Canelo against anybody and you could sell it with Canelo against Benavidez. And if people aren't familiar with him, and you're right, this, this fight helped grow. I was surprised that they had 13,000 at the MGM Grand Garden. Me too. I, they sold out. Too. And, and, but, when you look at him, twenty going into that fight, he's twenty six and zero with twenty three knockouts. Didn't get the knockout this yeah. time, but still twenty seven and zero, twenty three knockouts. And then you start hyping it up, and you know Benavides will give you some good fodder too, leading up to it. I mean, he'll probably trash talk Canelo and say, hey "Man, you're you're old school Mexican fans. No, no, I'm the new wave, and this and that." So you know, just on paper, it looks good. But you add that element to it, Canelo basically against anybody. And if if we build it up, if the media does it right and builds it up, like no, this guy is the Mexican monster, dude. This is this is this will sell out uh, T-Mobile in a heartbeat. And maybe, yeah. maybe oh, you yeah. could get thirty thousand in a legion. But I just know that that is the fight that we need right now. Man, you know what? That fight, I think. For guys like me and you, and even more average fans, is a more popular fight than Spence and Crawford's, which to me, like, that's the fight I want to see the most. But yeah. I think, I think that it would draw more than Spence Crawford. I think that it would, I, I think it'd do about maybe 30,000 would probably be good. You know, like the whole Jerry World thing is the fact that first they're in Texas. So the audience is, you know, they have a lot more Latinos that are in yep. Texas than yep. definitely than, than here in Vegas. And California's close, but still. Uh, and who knows what they're selling those tickets for? They're not going to sell the tickets for the same thing they're selling tickets for here in Vegas. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, with the site fees and all that other kind of stuff. I think they probably gave away tickets in in uh, Texas to get people to, to show up for the fight. Maybe some twenty dollars tickets. You know, I, I wonder. I don't know how. Yeah, much it I mean, I, you had some cheap tickets way up at top. There, there's no question. Well, Bisal, we could uh, rectify this matter very easily. You you know that, right? Yeah. We, very yeah, easily. <laughs> you know what you know what I'm saying, right? Real easy to get more butts yeah. in the stands. We put Bisal on the undercard. There it is, right? <laughs> you better start pushing for that, all right? 
I mean, we hyped oh, you up. We, we hyped you up big time. You've been in the gym. You're ready to go. Be selling the undercard. Oh, no. That'll sell at least, you know, 14 uh, more tickets. 14 more tickets. Hey, I, I was at the gym today. With a, with whoa, our, whoa, with our oh, guy. I'm sorry. 24 tickets now. Now it's up to 24. <laughs> the right hand is powerful, baby. This right hand. The left hook to the body is getting a lot better, too, man. 36 like, more tickets. Good. Yeah. Hey, boom. We <laughs> <laughs> uh, put Jesse Merrick on the under-under card, man. We might do a, more, a bunch more tickets. The under-under card. I love that. That's great. That's <laughs> you cool. can do uh. it. All right, man. Yeah, I'm, yes. I'm glad to hear you're back in the gym. All right, man. Real quick, Golden Knights in Edmonton. That is going to be a great game tonight. A little playoff oh, yeah. feel atmosphere. Are you going to be covering this bad boy tonight? What do you got? Yes, man. I'll be live over there at T-Mobile Arena. I'm at the station now, but I'll be live over at T-Mobile Arena at uh, six, ten, eleven o'clock. Mm-hmm. Like you said, man, it's a huge game. Golden Knights, though, man. They're, the Golden Knights are pucking right now. They're pucking. <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> I like that. I have to make sure I super enunciate that when I say it. Can, can you say that on the air? And do you, uh, you think you can not get your uh, your consonants mixed up there? Oh, you did? Oh, no, no, I did. I, no, I said that uh, on Sunday. Look at that. Sunday. <laughs> yeah, man. I just, before I do it, I make sure I super enunciate. Yes. <laughs> you got you to <laughs> practice that, my friend. Practice makes perfect, as you know. Yeah. Good thing I'm not a super foul mouth person that, you know, I don't, I don't have a, like, uh, I don't know if you saw Kendrick Perkin cursed on ESPN a little while ago. He was talking with JJ Reddick. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, he, got a, he's suspended now, right? Yeah. Or fired. He might be because he's yeah. got a super dirty mouth. <laughs> <laughs> All right, brother. We uh, appreciate you. Check out B Sal's coverage tonight. It's going to be live, probably out there on the concourse it, and, and people will be bugging him. You know, you'll 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 have people out there, and you'll have conversations with vendors and that sort of thing. You know, beer man Bruce exactly. and the guys. You know, there you go. That's right. <laughs> a man of the people, baby. I'm a man of the people. I love it. <laughs> All right, brother. Appreciate you and I both, man. You and I both. Absolutely. That's what we got to be, man. Be out in the public, man. We love it. Yeah, I mean, shaking hands, uh, kissing yeah. babies. There we go. Whatever it <laughs> takes. <laughs> That's absolutely right. 100%. Shaking hands, kissing babies. All right, my man. I appreciate you. Uh, it was great seeing you Thursday and Saturday at both T-Mobile and at the MGM Grand Garden. And uh, we'll be watching you on News 3. Yes, sir, man. Anytime I see you, it's a good day, man. You're one of the guys I, I always love to see. So thank you, man. All right. Um, yeah, have a wonderful day, man. Uh-huh. Not shut. Nubchuck's sending you out, man, with cameo, a little back and forth. That's work. There it is. Be All right, I want to thank Tracy Murray for joining us today. Also, Stu Jackson. Great stuff with those guys. That will all be up on the website at tcmartinshow.com. Go check it out. And we're back at it again tomorrow. Timmy Brando, Mike DeCourcy, Bob Nightingale, Chuck Esposito tomorrow. The hits just keep on coming and coming and rocking on to the break of dawn. And we're getting ready for the final four in H-Town, baby. We'll catch you tomorrow at 2.